Hi, I'm Frankie Frayne, and I've been making movies since I was a kid. I've made three low-budget feature films of varying success, and I went to film school. Twice. For better or worse, I've developed a science for completing feature-length projects on pocket change, and it has a lot to do with the kinds of conversations you'll hear on this podcast with teachers, friends, and artists. You don't have to pay 40 grand a year for bad advice. This is Discount Film School. Welcome back to Discount Film School. Uh, I am sitting down with somebody I've been wanting to since I started this whole thing. Um, a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, uh, a, a few awful prequel films came out uh, from a certain franchise. And uh, when I came home from the theater at age 16, um, for some reason I launched into uh, this effort to make a cartoon that lambasted the whole thing. And, uh, it was kind of this early filmmakers rebellion. And, uh, it was one of those projects that I kind of just crapped out and it turned out to be, uh, something that I, I got somewhat known for. So if you're a few years of YouTube semi-fame go by, and then, uh, I start hearing on, uh, forums and websites and whatnot. Uh, actually I heard it from a friend. I, I was contacted by maybe three or four people who were like, Hey, they're making this documentary about, uh, the fans' distrust and distaste for George Lucas, and uh, you should really reach out to them uh, about the cartoon because they're they're inviting uh, interviews with all fans and they're inviting uh, all content. And I was like, all right, well, that sounds like something that uh, that maybe they'd want. So I emailed this gentleman named uh, Alexander Philippe, and he got back to me. Um, not only did he get back to me, he got back to me within the day. He actually was was hungry for any and all content Star Wars related. And um, we met up in New York, had a nice interview, and we've actually kind of kept in contact since then. And the movie is awesome, and uh, I actually got him to sit down on my shitty podcast. So thanks, Alexander. Hey, no, my pleasure. It's, it's, it's been a while since we've actually talked, so it's, uh, it's great to reconnect. Yeah. So I want to go back in time to um, uh, wh- yes. wh- wh- where, did, where did you grow up, and, um, and when did you kind of like start loving movies? Were you a big movie watcher? Did you make movies at an early age, like a, an eight-year-old Spielberg, or what was the deal? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I've definitely been always kind of a, a, a movie buff. In fact, I remember very distinctly when I was, I think, like 12 years old, I had these uh, – these movie kind of, you know, well, I was raised in Geneva in Switzerland. And so I had these salons for my, you know, my parents and their friends where I would just have like, like a, you know, like a Spielberg series or a Hitchcock series. It would meet every week and then I'd do a little introduction and I'd kind of talk about the movie afterwards, you know. And uh, it, it kind of cracks me up. You That's know, adorable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. About those days, you know. So I think it's always been something that's been a yeah a huge passion, and of course, along came Star Wars, right? Yeah. Well, did uh, I mean was Switzerland like now that you've been a filmmaker in the states for so long? Like, how do you you know do you, do you know what the what the filmmaking climate there is like? I mean, I, I don't know much of it at all. I, I have a few friends from Norway and Sweden, um, mm. uh, but I don't know anything about Switzerland. Well, you know, it's it's very much, uh, you know, I mean, filmmaking in Europe is very different. It's you can't really be an independent the way that you're you can be an, an independent here in the U.S. because you know movies are subsidized really by by the government. You know, um, but uh, I mean, in fact, I am actually eligible for for Swiss funding and for European co-production funding, and that's you know, it's it's kind of funny that I've been. Uh, trying to, to, to do this the hard way for so many years. And I'm yeah. like, well, 
maybe I should start, uh, you know, going to to Europe a little bit and see if I'm if I can get some of that, you know, that money. Uh, so I've actually started talking to some people about that, and uh, it is it is definitely something that's a possibility. You're 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 eligible just by virtue of the fact that you were born there. Uh, well, that I have a yes, that I'm a citizen. That you're a citizen, right? Exactly. Yeah, that, I mean that's exactly what they told us when I went to. Uh, I took my last feature to uh, to the Sydney Underground Festival, and I, t- I sat down with those yeah. folks and talked to them. And uh, I've said this on this podcast before, but but fuck it, I want to share it with you. Um, it was really interesting to make a, a movie for about you know just a few thousand dollars in the states, uh, and mm-hmm. everybody kind of snubbed their nose and go, well, if that's the budget, that's not a real movie. Like I was o- often compelled to lie about the budget, just say it's bigger than it was, so people would take it more seriously. But as soon as I <laughs> as soon as I took it overseas, they were like, you made a movie for that little money, and it's a movie. You know, they were they really couldn't believe that. Um, yeah, there, I guess there just aren't opportunities to pick up a camera and make a movie with your friends because um, the the exhibition formats just aren't there. Uh, you have to have some kind of you you have to be in some way uh, connected to the government funding and government exhibition. Yeah, there's um there's a structure, you know, and I think uh, because of the fact that there's a structure, I think people are less inclined to thinking outside the box. But they can, you know, and I think they do, and I think they will more and more. I think it's, you know, it's obviously it's evolving. It's evolving all the time, and it's so evolving so fast. It's it's crazy, you know. But uh, but I think we're going to see more independent films coming out of of Europe uh, and and other places, you know. Hopefully, uh, very soon. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of their television has already made it this way, um, which is kind of, kind of amazing. Yeah, um, yeah. So. Um, so you you were a dyed in the wool filmmaker then uh, is what that means and um, so you knew you were going to to go to film school eventually. No, actually, I did, I did not. I, I took a big uh, a big U turn. I actually uh, uh, became a golf professional. Believe it or not. Oh really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was kind of a huge U turn that I took when I was like seventeen. It was a big passion of mine, and then I so yeah, I trained pretty hard and I turned pro, and then I'm like. Now, what the fuck am I doing here? You know, uh, I mean, yes, it's it's. Uh, I love the game. It's it's. Uh, you know, it's. I, I don't regret. I don't regret it. But then uh, I I'm glad that I caught this big mistake, this big potential mistake in time, and decided to go back to school. And and that's when I kind of really reconnected with, uh, well, with writing. You know, which is also a big passion of mine. You know, playwriting, screenwriting, and then uh, and then eventually with uh, yeah, with making films. Were you able to, I mean, if you were, I mean, you were essentially a, a professional athlete, um, mm-hmm. were, you, were you able to fund any of your, like, were you still making films during that period at all? Or no, 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 not at all. No, I mean, in fact, I really started making films, well, you know, I, mean, I, I don't know if you can count the uh, Super 8 Star Wars action figure films that I made as a kid as, as films. <laughs> sure you can. Uh, in fact, I've lost these forever, which is, which is kind of sad. I would have loved to see these again, but um but no, I didn't really make films again until after college. You know, I mean, that's when I—that's uh, when I really. I mean, I was—I've been writing a lot. I mean, ever since I was a kid, uh, you know, writing has always been something that I've been doing a lot of. Um, but but actually, you know, saying okay, fine, and we're going to put some money into this, and we're going to make a film, and or we're going to try and find money and, and make a movie. That's really not something that I that I really started actively doing. Um, yeah, until after college. So you. Uh, you had gotten your bachelor's not in film. Dramatic writing. Dramatic writing. 
Yeah, both bachelor's and master's, and that, that was my focus. And I wanted, well, at first I thought I was, I wanted to be a playwright. That was my thing because, um, well, I did one year in San Francisco uh, at University of San Francisco, and you know, I, I wrote my my first kind of real play there, and it, you know, it was it went to like three different you know theaters, and it was produced and. Uh, and I thought, oh, yeah, this is cool. This is kind of working. And so I, I talked to my advisor and I said, you know, I, I want to be a playwright. Where do I go? And he said, well, uh, you should try, you know, NYU, you know. And so I applied. I was lucky to get in. And that's kind of the thing about the dramatic writing program at NYU is that they force you to also, you know, if you're a playwright, they're like, well, fine. But you also have to write screenplays. Right. And so, so that's when I really started realizing that my writing is actually really visual mm-hmm. and that, you know, my plays have always been very, almost like too big, too many characters, too many, too much stuff going on for the stage. And so, so connecting with screenwriting to me was very liberating because I thought, oh, I can do anything. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, so that's really through this kind of weird, you know, a uh, series of events that I, I ultimately reconnected with film. And to me, it, it stemmed from a frustration uh, because at, at NYU, you know, you, 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 you're, you're always in contact with a lot of execs. You know, they're always sniffing around for the best script. And, yeah. and I had one particular screenplay that became really hot and that was just so close to being you know, a big universal movie basically. Mm. And, but I can't even tell you how many meetings and how much stuff. And of course it was option and all that stuff. And, um, and, and it was this constant up and down of like, it's going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's going to happen. It's not going to happen. And, and there comes a point where you just go, no, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to do things my own way. Yeah. You know? I mean, they say that you can die of encouragement in this business. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I don't know. You know, I mean, it's interesting. You know, had that particular script been produced, I mean, I, I'm sure my career would be very different now. I would probably be writing scripts for, you know, for Hollywood, which you know wouldn't be bad. But at the same time, I kind of like what's happened. You know, I like the fact that I've always had to work hard to make movies happen. They, there's a there's a sense of, you know, of accomplishment of pride when it comes out. Yeah. No, yeah, think. I mean, especially yeah, I I completely agree. In in the in the field of independent film, there's that uh, I, I think very American sense of like uh, you know I I harvested the wheat, <laughs> I uh, yeah I did everything. It's like the totally. little the little red hen story. Like and now I get to uh, uh, share in in my own rewards because you you know, I think independent filmmakers, especially today, and yeah. especially documentary film, um, mm-hmm. you're not so much a director writer producer you're just a maker um you know you just made the film um yeah. and 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 there's people surrounding you that make that possible uh who you couldn't do it without who you love dearly but um uh, that the the roles kind of uh step away mm-hmm. um and 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 I think the studio system is still a, a very role based one um of bring in a screenwriter bring in a director um, yes yeah, and sometimes it works, and as we know, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, very, very much so. Um, yeah, it's not like it's not like all, all our tour uh, uh, yeah. film projects work out, but um, we, we can talk about that. Um, yeah. So, uh, tell me this: Do you think that playwriting was good training for screenwriting in a way? No. Uh, well, 
okay. I'll, I, yes and no. I, you know, it's funny because, uh, well, I, I, I teach a lot of, you know, I do a lot of workshops or seminars on, on, on writing, right, on dramatic writing specifically. And, you know, one of the things I always say is that, you know, I think playwriting and screenwriting are very, very alien forms in the sense that, you know, playwriting is, is obviously dialogue-based and screenwriting is, is really writing in images. Right. I, I think poetry is closer to screenwriting than playwriting is. Yes. However, right, you know, but of course, you know, there are different types of screenplays. You know, if you look at a, at a, a Woody, Woody Allen script or a Whit Stillman uh, script, I mean, these are very dialogue-based movies. It's a different kind of film, you know. So, but, but, I mean, regardless, even if you're telling a story in images, you're going to have to write great dialogue. And so, in that sense, yes, playwriting is, is good training. Uh, but, you know, if you, if you can't tell a story in images, if you can't think, uh, you know, in images, uh, I think you're going to have real, real trouble being a, you know, a successful screenwriter. And so you didn't have that problem with that transition because, as it turned out, you were kind of visually inclined, as you said, all, already. Yeah, no, and, and yeah, exactly. And, and as a kid, you know, actually, one of my hobbies has always been photography, and so I've always been most definitely very visually, you know, inclined, and and just uh, you know, images really turn me on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I've, I've, you know, I, I always look for that in. Uh, uh, in, in films, you know, I love, I love photography. So, uh, but not just, not just the image itself, but how does an image tell a story? Yeah. You know? Right. Uh, uh, and that's what the great movies do, you know, to be able to convey, to convey, a, an emotion or, uh, a situation through a very simple, powerful image. You know, that's, that's great stuff. Sure. Um, so you're incredibly encouraged at NYU, even even if things didn't work out with that particular script. Did you work? Did you <laughs> yeah. work on a lot of projects? Um, were you? Uh, you know, my understanding. Of, so I went to Emerson College, which is kind of um, yeah. where the riffraff of uh, of Tish go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we, uh, I'm, we're always told that NYU students are very well. First of all, the entire program is is really narrative concentrated, um, and also that uh, it it's really. Um, a culture and an environment that's slightly competitive, but everybody's extremely active. Um, yeah, it's, I would not, I would remove the word slightly. It's very competitive. And that's actually the one thing I didn't like about it. Um, you know, this, this notion that people are jealous of you when you're writing something, uh, you know, good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I've never looked at it that way. You know, I, I, to me, anytime someone would just show up with a phenomenal play or phenomenal screenplay, it excites me because at the end of the day, you know, I, I do this because I love the medium, right? And so when I go watch movies, I don't want to watch crappy movies just to feel good and say, oh, I'm better than this. Right. No. I want to watch great movies that will inspire me to be better at what I do. Yeah. And so so when the, when the people around me who have completely different sensibilities and voices, uh, you know, write great stuff, I'm excited because I want to see that stuff come to life. So there's no – it's strange to me that notion of competition because different voices cannot possibly compete with each other. Yeah. It, you it, know it, what I mean? As, I mean? Especially with something that's so diverse like all of yeah. the different genres of film. Well, exactly. And, and you know, and that's why I think that, you know, I, as nice as it is, but, you know, all these big award pageants are, are, are so meaningless to me because what does it mean to award, you know, X movie over Y movie? Uh, it, it's – it doesn't make any sense, you know. And isn't me. isn't it also a, a fallacy, especially in a film school environment, that anyone would be in direct competition with anybody else, as as though there's only so many success slots, 
in the world, uh, with yeah. an already oversaturated market, why would one person be indirect? I mean, if anything, you should be yeah. build, building relationships, not bringing them down. Yeah, exactly. And I think, and that's what I like about the independent world. I mean, I think we do a lot of that. I think we build a lot of relationships and stay in touch and do stuff together, you know? And, and, um, yeah, so, you know, but there's always going to be people who will try and bring you down and people who will just look at this as just pure competition and whatever. Well, cause because they're showing up to a, a filmmaking environment for the first time in their lives, a lot of them, and they, they have to uh, uh, calibrate themselves. They have to measure themselves in some capacity, and so uh, sure. uh, a lot of eyes wander. Um, but, you know, I, uh, in my experience, by the fourth year, a lot of that... Uh, uh, fear of the greater world uh, takes over, and you realize you're not in competition with anybody. Um, yeah, for sure. So you, uh, you are, but you're not. I mean, you, you are in the sense that you need to assert yourself and your voice and what you're doing, and and find a way to make a living. Yeah, you know, doing that. So that's in that sense, you are in competition. It, it's not so much necessarily with others, but you're in competition with with the world. You know, it, it, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you're in competition with a with a really uh, a tough to break through. Uh, career path um, yeah for sure yeah so you so you uh you graduate right but at this point or did anything interesting happen before graduation uh you're talking about uh before and, graduating from uh, from tish yeah um no i i uh i was just really immersed in that uh you know 24 7 i mean we had basically to write two stage plays and two screenplays every semester right so, you know, yeah, there's not much time for anything else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I yeah. meant by that we, we hear how active uh, the NYU folks are. It's a very when in Rome, you know, make a movie every weekend kind of a situation. Yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't really hang out with your pals and, you know, you just go and <laughs> you go home and write. You're there for a reason. Now, did you do production at any point or was it really just pen to paper? Uh, I collaborated with a uh, – um, uh, you know, student at the time uh, from the film school, you know, who was, uh, so he was in the film school, he was making films, and so uh, we made uh, a couple of shorts, and, uh, you know, which I obviously either wrote or helped write, you know, um, but uh, no, that was basically, that was basically it. Yeah. So that that's what's going to make it a, a little more peculiar that you kind of ended up as, as something of a documentarian, but we'll get into that. Yeah. Sure. Um, so what was the first kind of out of college big project uh, that really kind of took over your life? Um, well, I essentially so what happened is I, I moved to Denver uh, shortly after after uh, graduating. And um, what brought you there from Switzerland to New York to Denver? Yeah, I know. Uh, total, um, total fluke. I, I just wanted to get out of New York. Yeah, uh, I I. You know, I, I respect the city. It's just not for me. And right. I, I love the West. You know, I write a lot of Westerns, actually. And uh, I wanted to go back out West. So um, so I called my mom one day. And, you know, she's in France. And, 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 and I was talking to her about this. And she said, oh, you know, I met this really nice lady on a flight from New York to Nice. And she has two sons in Denver. Why don't you give him a call? I'm like, okay, sure. So they, you know, I, they invite me to come here for a week. And, uh, you know, uh, it turns out one of them was married to uh, the lady who is the editor of the Bloomsbury Review, which is this kind of literary, you know, magazine. 
And um, so she introduced me to all the writers in town, and it turns out that Lighthouse Writers were looking for someone to start their screenwriting program. And so I was like, fine, I'll just do that. So I, you know, I basically moved and started immediately teaching mm -hmm. as I started kind of settling. And then, uh, and then shortly after that, decided I was going to make, well, somebody told me about this headless chicken that lived in uh, Fruita, Colorado, called Mike the Headless Chicken. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, a chicken that lived for 18 months without a head. And yeah, I think I've heard of that. Yeah, it's a crazy story. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I was just, you know, my instant reaction was, okay, uh, we have to make a film about this, you know. So, uh, so that, was, that was really the, the, the seed um, <laughs> of my crazy kind of documentary journey, you know. And it's a crazy, bad little movie uh, that was made for very, very little money. <laughs> And uh, it's completely wacky, but you know, it went to a few festivals, and it and it kind of you know started putting me on the map, and it got me, you know, uh, the opportunity to make the next film, which was about Klingon speakers. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so so kind of project after project, you know, I I really have sort of fallen into that niche, if you will, of making you know pop culture uh, based uh, uh, documentaries. Um, because it is something that just fascinates me. You know, I, I uh, in fact, I'm, I'm going to be doing a TED talk on, on the importance of pop culture, uh, next month. Um, and I just feel like it's something that people kind of take for granted or think is trivial and, and it's just fluff. But, uh, I think it's really important. I think when, you know, when 2 billion people download Gangnam Style, for instance, it, it says something, Yeah. you know, it says something about us. And so, so I think we shouldn't be so quick to to say, oh, you know, pop culture doesn't matter. I think there's there's a lot to it, and so uh, yeah. So I've been making, you know, started making very small docs to making bigger docs now, um, and they they all seem to be pretty much pop culture related. And and well, of course, I do some other things. You know, I I get commissioned to do other kinds of documentaries like environmental work or, you know. Um, signature docs for cities and you know things like that but that's a different kind of work yeah i mean you know in, in the case of star trek and star wars and dc comics and marvel comics i mean this, this is all yeah. mo modern mythology really uh, oh yeah uh, yeah for sure well it's it's uh, yeah exactly and that's why it's important you know uh i mean you know we could talk about george lucas for for a long time but you know that that's why you know this whole special edition thing and especially his refusal to restore and release the original star wars is, is hugely problematic because it's not just a movie. No. It's, it's a very, very important cultural event. Yeah. Uh, that needs to be preserved in its original form. I mean, that's, you know, he can do whatever he wants to the movie. He can change it a hundred million times. But we need that original, uh, that original version. A copy somehow preserved. Preserved um, for posterity, <clears throat> yeah. So, um... Uh, talk a little bit about the the Klingon documentary because um, you were able to to pick up a little bit of steam with that to to uh, transition into People versus George, um, yeah. and it was a fascinating little documentary um, about uh, about this really <laughs> weird cultural trend. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm I don't know if I would say I'm proud of it or not. I mean, we uh, we had again a very restricted budget, and not only that, but we had four days to shoot it. <laughs> and so we, we shot it at the Klingon um, uh, Klingon language uh, uh, convention, which I can't I can even remember what it's called now, uh, which was in a comfort inn in, uh, you know, around uh, Philadelphia. Um, 
And so, so I, I decided to kind of develop, a, you know, a, a visual style that would fit basically our restrictions. I'm like, you know, how can we make a comforting room basically look interesting? And so we started playing with this idea of lampshades and, and decided to make the movie in black and white. Uh, and so it turned into this very kind of surreal, I mean, it is very much a talking head documentary, but I think it has a funky, interesting little style. And, you know, there's a lot of things I would, I would do differently now, uh, obviously, but um, I, I think the, the, the people in this doc is kind of what make it. I mean, I think they're very colorful and interesting. And, um, and I think hopefully it, it makes people look at this really weird cultural phenomenon as something that, you know, at the end of the day, if they do this and they enjoy doing it, um, it's cool. Yeah. You know? How is it different than basketball, really? To a mar- exactly. to a marching, you know, yeah. um, or, to, or or anything really. You know, if you, yeah. if you if you like if you enjoy what you do, as long as you don't you know piss other people off, you know, or or shoot them or you know whatever the case may be. I mean, just do your thing. Have you at know? it. <laughs> Have at it. Yeah. Um, but then when you uh, so so I want I really want to talk about the the the. Um, the initial idea for people versus George and how you got it out to so many, um, so many media platforms. Cause you really kind of, uh, put a lot of eggs in that basket of like, all right, we're going to use fan generated content. And that, what that was going to mean was that you were going to need lots of it to pare it down to this hour and a half long discussion. So, uh, so talk a little bit about that. Well, it's, it is a title that I had had in my head for years, um, and I can't even remember exactly when was the first time. But you know, I, obviously because I I, I study pop culture, uh, you know, the, the this this idea of uh, the fans versus George has always been something that I've, I've thought about. And so, so every now and then I would think about it. You know, the title would kind of in my head you know I never even wrote it down it was just just was in my head the people versus George Lucas you know and back in 07 um, I went with my crew we had we had a few jobs to uh, commercial jobs to do in Texas and um, uh, my DP Robert uh, who you've met obviously yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, he's you know he's also a really big Star Wars geek and we would just you know, we'd, we'd just talk about Star Wars every lunch break. We'd, we'd just, you know, bitch about George. And uh, and so one day I just, you know, just came out and said, you know, I, I've been thinking about making this doc. And it's called The People vs. George Lucas. And that's all I needed to say. I mean, he literally, you know, lit up. And he's like, dude, 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 we have to do this. And I'll, you know, I'll help you produce it. I'll, I'll be the DP. And really that was all the encouragement I needed. You know, so so that that was the the genesis of it, and uh, you know, then we met with our other producers and and just really um, uh, started fleshing it out. But uh, yeah, uh, you know, I, I I knew that. I mean, of course, you can never be sure, but I, I thought that really the moment you get that title out there, it would get people talking. Oh yeah, and you're you're absolutely right. Um. <laughs> I remember yeah. the, the the first trailer that came out, um, which was long before the film would actually come out uh, uh, yeah. to watch. Um, 
that was enough. Uh, you know, if, if, if the initial kind of announcement that you were going to be making the film wasn't enough, the trailer really was to make people be like, you know, either I got to go see that immediately or fuck those assholes. Uh, <laughs> George Lucas is great. So, so your movie was basically just reflecting the argument that the movie was talking about in the first place, which is so funny. Um, yeah, but it's such a divisive topic, and 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 I, I remember you having to fight just a little bit to be like, no, no, no. There's the documentary will uh, represent two sides of a debate. This is not just a shit on George fest. Well, yeah, and, and that that was the biggest stigma. I mean, that really was the one thing that we had to to somehow conquer and get over uh, is this perception because people, a lot of people would not read past the title. Yeah, you know. And would just send me a death threat based on, you know, how dare you and, you know, you deserve to die and, you know, stuff like this, which is it's 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 uh, it's offensive. But it's it's funny, too. You know, at the same time, I'm like, come on, just just read at least read our, our one paragraph synopsis, you know. Um, so, yeah, we kept trying to say, look, we we are not the people. We are documentarians. Yeah. Looking at this phenomenon of the people versus George, and yes, I'm a fanboy. Yes, I'm a Star Wars fan. So of course I'm opinionated. But I, in making that film, I had to take that step back and yeah. I had to look at both sides and try and make it a very balanced, um, you know, piece. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and if there's one thing we have in common, it's uh, death threats over George Lucas. <laughs> I, mean, I, I get them to this day. Um, and I really? did I did a far worse thing, which was I comp- I I was so bold to uh, suggest that the recent Lord of the Rings films were, uh, were, were had a much better artistic approach. And, um, Oh boy. Oh boy. Did that stir it up? Yeah, I can see. I can see. <laughs> <laughs> I was 16 when I made that cartoon. It was kind of like the, a lot of people are like, wow, you were that young when you did that. I mean, I'm 27 now. So it was, it was some time ago, but, um, uh, yeah. they, uh, I, I don't think there was a better time to have made it. I mean, who's more no, opinionated sure. about star Wars than a 16 year old kid? Um, that's great that's really great yeah I love your stuff (laughs) thank you so so um I remember uh, uh, being in awe of, but I mean, this is the documentary process I've just never been as close to it as I was with you guys Um, I was in awe of the amount of content you were collecting I mean it was probably three three years or so of international shooting and non-stop it's not like you had these big lulls or anything like that I mean I was it was nonstop and you know I, I would spend days you know sometimes just 15 18 hour days just looking for stuff on YouTube and Vimeo and contacting fan filmmakers and um, it was exhausting I mean it it, it wiped me out uh, that film you know I uh, I mean yeah with you know and then I and then I toured for a year and a half with it you know yeah. I mean it was gone I was gone. I think the first year on the festival tour, I was maybe three months at home and nine months away. I mean, it was awesome. It was great. It was exhilarating, but it's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, I just um, a few months ago just did the, the what I think is going to be the last uh, festival screening of People vs. George. But you know, we still get requests every now and then. That's fantastic. It's incredible. You know, we're actually going to be showing it at the Denver Comic Con. Uh, uh, at the end of the month, so I, that you know that, that'll be fun. It's been a long time since I've you know been in an audience. Well, it's been a few months, but um, so yeah. So so from from conception to completion and 
you know, and then touring with it and distribution and everything, it, it took over my life, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, compare that to uh, the four-day shoot for the Klingon film. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cra- craziness. Project, yeah. Did you um, – I remember you premiered at South by Southwest, which was really yep. awesome. Yeah, that was great. That was um, great. And, uh, and then down the line, you got a very limited Lionsgate theatrical – and you got DVD with Lionsgate. Um, and I was at your uh, th- uh, theatrical premiere in New York. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I did a little, I, I did a little bit of Q&A with the, some of the other fans that showed up. And with one of your uh, producers who I hadn't met when we uh, shot our interview. Gary, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, and I think it was in Amsterdam at a festival during that time, which is why I couldn't That's right. attend. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, and then, well, and then obviously it's not just, you know, Lionsgate. I mean, we've got a number of distributors, you know, around the world, and and uh, it's been, you know, I mean, it became the number one doc on Netflix for mm-hmm. for a while, and um, I mean, for, it's funny because anytime I go to a film festival or whatever, I mean, usually when I talk to people and you know, and this comes up, I, there's, I, I'm I'm just really surprised to see how many people just go, oh my gosh, you you know, you made that, I've seen it like five times, yeah. or you know, or I've heard so much about it, or you know, it's it's it feels like it has become this kind of uh, documentary that people know. You know, I'm telling you, I you know, of course, I was aware of it because of my involvement for years, and then, yeah. you know, and then of course you you do other stuff, and you know, you kind of it's been some time since we've shot, and um, you know, then t- suddenly film professors at Emerson, I was getting my MFA, and I, I still work there. Um, they were okay. like, hey, I I saw you <laughs> and <laughs> and somebody a, a good friend of mine was at the south by southwest screening and and to his shock there's uh there's a giant image of frankie just flapping his jaw about george um <laughs> and then my and then you know when the real test of marketability is when frankie frame's parents become aware of something uh <laughs> then you know it's penetrated the market uh, because they have they 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 understand Netflix uh, to some small degree, and yeah, it was number one on Netflix, and and they started watching it, and they didn't even make it to my fucking part. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, I was like, it's if you had just watched a little bit, you would have seen your own son in a film. Uh, they, didn't <laughs> they just couldn't do it. They, they just don't. You know, it's it's like I've shown. Um, Anybody who's not a, even a little bit steeped in Star Wars culture, try showing them one of these cartoons or one of these documentaries. They're like, sure. what are all these fat bearded men talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I want to know about um, uh, the Lionsgate deal and um, what worked out about it, maybe what didn't work out about it, kind of what that relationship ended up looking like. Well, I can't really talk to you about what didn't work out about it. Right. <laughs> uh no, I mean, you know, it, it, it's been fine. It's uh, it's it's hard to say. You know, it, it is always hard to keep track of things when your film is in distribution and it's out into the world. Um, it it's you, you just can't. It's not yours anymore, and and that's the kind of the hard lesson. And it makes me. I mean, there's good things about it. It got a lot of exposure and it got a lot of you know attention as a result of that. Um, but I do sometimes wonder, you know, what if we had done a Kickstarter campaign? You know, what if we had, um, you know, self-distributed this film? You know, it would 
probably be be a very different situation. I, I you know, I, I don't want to kind of look back and start regretting. I think it, it is what it is. I'm, I'm glad that the film was, you know, well, has, was seen widely and continues to be seen widely. And um, I, I just think that your your take on distribution as a as an indie filmmaker has to evolve over time. Yeah. And so now what we're starting to do is is like we're not going to put all our eggs into traditional distribution. We're going to do some of it and then we're going to keep some rights and then we're going to do some form of self-distribution at the same time. Um, and because at the end of the day, nobody understands your film better than you do. Uh, and I think I think working with distributors, you know, they – they think they know, and of course they know a lot, but also they, there are things they don't know about. You know, the, the one things that I will say that I'm still very bitter about uh, is that I begged them to do a free massive screening of PVG at the San Diego Comic-Con, yeah. and they said no. And they said no because that's what distributors, you know, in, in their mind, if you're, if you're putting, you know, the film up in front of 5,000 people, uh, and you don't make them pay for a ticket. That's that's fifty grand lost. No, nope. no, no, no. Not at any. I mean, you know, I think it would have been the biggest hit at, at, the, at the con. It would yeah. have been massive, you know. But uh, so yeah, so I'm a bit bitter about that. I mean, the model the the model is no longer um, come to us and pay to see the movie. I no. think the model now is first taste is free, and um, and yeah. and and we can sell you um, a DVD copy. Uh, yeah. uh, we can sell you a Netflix subscription for many films like this. Uh, yeah. We can sell you merchandise, um, but but the idea of hoarding uh, hoarding media content, I mean, th- there's just too many avenues to get it for free. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you, you have to trust your audience, and um, you know, I was actually doing some reading on uh, Amanda Palmer, you know, and and her album that she launched on uh, uh, Kickstarter, and you know, she talks about how you you have to just really Share, 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 copy, 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 you know, uh, just encourage your fans to just, you know, take this stuff and and trust that they will they will reward you in one way or another. I mean, in, in your situation, you had a very unique situation in as much as uh, the fans uh, helped you make the film. I mean, they, they were involved in the process. Yeah, no, I, I, exactly, and I think that was the, the strength of it because that was there was additional free marketing, you know, I mean, I. Look, I, I don't think that our distributors did anything in terms of marketing that we hadn't done before. Yeah. I, I think I think our I think by the time the film came out, uh, and by the time it obviously did so well at South by Southwest that, you know, I, I think I think Star Wars fans were, were very much aware that this product was out there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And they sure came. I mean they sure came to see it, you know. I mean it didn't matter which country where we screened it, uh, it was always a packed house, you know. So did um, for, for a documentary release like that, do they do testing and focus grouping or anything like that? Uh, I don't think they did. Not to my knowledge anyway. Uh, I mean, all you have to do is be into Star Wars to want to watch the movie. And they, isn't that most of the world? <laughs> like, yeah, well, exactly. I mean, it's, I, you know, but, you know, actually, uh, one of the cool things, too, is that I, while I really wanted this doc to be accessible to people who are not Star Wars fans, and I, I've had a lot of people come up to me after screening saying, you know, I've, I, I, I'm not a Star Wars fan or, 
you know, I've never watched Star Wars, which is crazy to me, but some people still haven't watched it. Uh, and they said, you know, but I really, really enjoyed your film. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so so that's I, I'm pretty pleased about that because I think it it, it it that means it speaks about larger issues, obviously of culture and and ownership in the digital age and 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 you know all that stuff. So uh, yeah. Well, so. you you don't have to be a Trekkie to to enjoy the movie Trekkies. You know, um, you're just wa- you're just watching people. Um, who are passionate about something that you're not necessarily passionate about. And over the course of the conversation, you, you know, there, the, you, you planted plenty of exposition uh, to give everybody a foundation for what they're talking about. And um, no, yeah, I do think it's accessible. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so then, so you, you end up, uh, you finish off with that, uh, despite the fact that um, it's continued to have a life of its own. And yeah. you're, you're probably thrilled by this point to do a different project, right? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, I was, I was really chomping at the bit to to do something new, and that's when uh, 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 Paul the Octopus uh, came into the picture, and uh, you know, now, now this one is actually touring the you know the festivals and uh, started started being broadcast in in a bunch of uh, you know territories. So it's uh, it was good to be able to work on that. So talk about that. What is that for people who don't know? Yeah, well, the film is called The Life and Times of Paul the Psychic Octopus, and it's about that octopus that predicted the games during the 2010 Soccer World Cup, uh, you know, by just picking a muscle out of a box as opposed to another one. Uh, And he made, you know, eight correct predictions, eight out of eight, 100%, um, became a massive international phenomenon. Um, I mean, in Europe, you'd be hard-pressed to meet anyone who has not heard of of Paul, I mean, he's he's that he's that big, and in fact, across Latin America, I mean, basically every big soccer country, um, you know, he was massive. Um, so it's a strange, again, a strange little pop culture story, kind of a rags to riches fairy tale of a tiny little octopus in a tank in Oberhausen, Germany, who becomes a an international superstar, and uh, it was an irresistible tale. So. My- uh, my wife's going to end up hearing this and she's going to want to watch the shit out of that movie. Um, <laughs> okay. Is it available anywhere right now or, or am I have to wait? We're working on that. Uh, the website is seerofseers.com uh, and you can check out the trailer and, you know, whatever. But um, uh, we are working on our own uh, release. Um, it's going to be probably a few months, but it'll be DVD, Blu-ray, um, and then you know every digital platform you can you can probably think of so you know iTunes Hulu whatever. And did, uh, were you like totally proud of that project that came out to your liking? I am. I um, you know a lot of people say it's my best film so far, uh, and it's it's been weird because it it has attracted smaller crowds than People vs George you know obviously, uh, but people walk out very enthused um i i you know the audience reactions have been very very strong so um it's a it's a really it's kind of what like you know my my early film chick flick which is the mike the headless chicken film uh it's it's kind of what it should have been uh you know and um uh i think it's yeah i think it's a it's a cool little flick i'm pretty proud yeah that's awesome um 
and then of course Doc of the Dead, which which was because because uh, Paul kind of uh, was under the radar for me. I didn't really hear about it a whole lot until Robert so, recently mentioned it. We were talking about it. He said he's kind of working yep. on that right now um, for for release. Um, yeah. But uh, uh, Doc of the Dead, you know, I, I think I might have even heard about it because of the guys over at Red Letter Media, who I'm a, a you know a total fan of, and ironically came out with their massive uh, uh phantom menace reviews and prequels reviews after you had yep. kind of wrapped but you were a guest on their on their show i had seen and uh yes. those guys are funny um they sure are yes yeah. uh, so so uh, that them aside that's how i found out about doc of the dead but it sounded like it was kind of uh it felt almost like a sister project of people versus george uh in as much as again it was sort of this international um, pop culture trend, um, which, you know, as soon as you, you keep coming up with all the obvious, but no one has done them yet ideas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, crap. I, what, you know, what a good idea. Cause I mean, even just in the last five to 10 years, how many comic books, movies, novels, instructional guides have we seen about zombies? Incredible. Incredible. It's, it's explored. Well, and yeah, I mean, especially in very recent years. And I think, I think it has because it has become participatory culture. The way that Star Wars was since well since the early days because we had the toys you know yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that's why you're seeing that but uh, yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be fun it's going to definitely involve uh, the Red Letter Media guys and uh, Geekscape uh, you know Jonathan London I hope you're gonna do something for it That'd yeah be awesome yeah. oh I'm right. I'm so in yeah 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 totally so we'll have to talk about that <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah just try you know try and you know uh, 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 really take a good look at at this phenomenon, and uh, you know we were very lucky because right off the bat we got Simon Pegg and George Romero, so it was kind of hard to you know say okay we're not making this film after that. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I mean that's that's the fuel you need right there. Yeah, um, that would be great. And then and then we did this amazing um, uh, zombie town hall meeting in Denver where we so we invited George Romero and Max Brooks. And um, Steven Schlossman, who uh, wrote the zombie autopsies, and they were all three of them on stage, just basically talking about zombies for an hour and a half, and and uh, you know in front of a packed house, and you know we filmed that with four cameras, and so we got some got some good stuff. Yeah, um, and then I remember there was a there was a Kickstarter campaign for finishing money that um, did, did you you didn't quite make it. Was that what ended up happening? It wasn't even for finishing money. It was for uh, really for money because we were like, you know, we're going to stop. I mean, we can't just keep doing this to ourselves, you know, just keep putting our our savings into these movies and I hope it comes back. I mean, it has come back. Uh, But um, yeah. And then the Kickstarter campaign for no reason that I can possibly understand really failed. It Mm. flopped. I mean, I think a trailer is really... I think it's really strong. I think it's probably our, I would say, hands down our best trailer we've done. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, you know, yes, you can say it was during the elections. Yes, there was, uh, you know, uh, hurricane. Was it Sandy? Yeah. It was uh, right during that time. time. Fine, but you know, I, 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 you know, there are other projects on Kickstarter. You know, it's not like Kickstarter just shut down. No. no. So, did um, you ever consider doing Indiegogo instead, so you can actually keep what it, what does get? Yeah. Money? We did, but we didn't want to. We didn't want to do that because you know you, you need. I mean, look, and we were not asking for a ton. We were asking for thirty grand, which is just really to kickstart you. You know, yeah. it's like it's not even close to what you need to make a to make a dark like this. 
So, um, yeah, so so it was it was a flop, and even then, even though Simon Pegg tweeted about it, Robert Kirkman tweeted about it. I mean, you name it. Like every single geek website, horror website, zombie website, website picked up the story. And so, you know, I I was kind of like, I'm just gonna let this go. Yeah. And two weeks later, I got a call from uh, our publicist who uh, had was working with a, a network uh, prior, which I can't name just yet. Uh, but uh, and he basically said, he said, look, you know, they've been thinking about making a, a zombie doc. Uh, I, you know, to, to coincide with the release of World War Z, uh, I've told them that there is a zombie doc already underway, so it seems that you guys should talk. And so yeah. we've been talking, and again, there's been a lot of kind of ups and downs, but we're finally now at the contract phase <laughs> where we're, we should be a week away now from signing, so uh, if all goes well. Uh, I mean, I think we've, we've worked out the main kinks, we just have a few little uh, things now, but uh, we should be delivering the film in January. Wow. So, how much more work is there to do? Tons. Uh, yeah, yeah. That doesn't <laughs> change. Uh, that doesn't change. But there's a, you know, we have a limited window of time to, to make that happen, and that's fine. I actually kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, and we've already shot a substantial amount. I mean, we have we have some really good stuff. At least in terms of interviews, we have some really great, you know, found a great foundation. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to be going to LA. We're going to be, you know, going to to the East Coast for sure. Uh, going to Europe, um, and uh, we'll get hopefully a lot of fans to submit great content. Yeah, um, so. I mean, I, I can see the attraction in the limited window. You strike me as somebody who, especially in a documentary, you feel like you could always be digging deeper. You could always be getting totally. more content. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, you know, I I can't tell you how many times you know, like a year after People vs George, and I'm finding all these new great fan films I'm like ah oh, if only if only um, but there may be a People vs. George part 2 <laughs> well, it, it, there may be with the Disney acquisition it, it's almost a new chapter yes. anyway yeah yeah and, and I'm actually really thinking about uh, uh, releasing that in 2015 to coincide with uh, episode 7 uh, so we'll see but maybe it'll be uh, you know like a 20 or 30 minute short that we'll just release digitally exclusively. Well, maybe festivals and, and digital. We'll, we'll see. Uh, but I'm 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 very tempted because I think there's 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 a loop that needs to be closed there. Yeah. yeah. And 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 uh, it might even be fun for you guys to check in with Star Wars fans on some kind of interval. You know, as the other films come out. So. Uh. Oh, totally. And, and I think some people feel that he's been redeemed. Uh, I, I had a call. I, I once I like six. I think it was like six thirty a.m. And my phone rings, and it's you know Todd Hansen the, from The Onion, you know who's quite prominently featured in People vs. George. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, dude, dude, can can you can you talk? I'm like, okay, you know, sure. And and so he's trying, he starts talking to me about you know what happened and the fact that 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 Lucas had you know basically is using that four billion dollars to you know for for education. And he's like he's like that's a complete turnaround. You know, it's like he it's like Darth Vader. Taking the emperor and throwing him down the chute, dude. You know, <laughs> it's and true. I, and I'm like, yeah, you know, that's that's kind of that's kind of true. So, um, so I think it'd be interesting to. I, well, I had a four and a half hour epic interview with him, in, and then we went to dinner and talked about Star Wars for two hours. You know what I mean? So, 
uh, I would love to kind of re-interview him now and and see, you know, and and heck, you know, maybe we'll re-interview you and uh, everybody and says, has anybody changed their, you know, opinions on George? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'm easy. Um, I mean, <laughs> th- th- there's there's gotta, you know, as as a filmmaker myself, there is that element of sympathy I have to have with him, where you know, it's even if these movies were so textbook factually awful um to to have been asked to make more content for decades and then to do it and then for your reputation to be completely shot over it not completely shot but 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 take a serious uh hit um there's got to be something kind of that's a major bummer um to have lost your connection with your fans just because you continued to make more movies um i guess i guess uh uh, he he'll he could have saved face by not making any films at all, and 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 as I get older, I don't know that that's what I would have wanted, you know. I you know I I yeah sometimes you, you wonder you know is George Lucas happy that he made episodes one two three, or does he regret making them? I I don't think we'll I mean we'll, we'll certainly we'll never know because he'll never tell us the truth. Yeah. Uh, uh, and you right. don't know if you don't know if he's seen the movie, of course, right? To, that, that's why everybody asks you, but I have to. Uh, let's just say that I have had some interactions with the media that uh, who have had interactions with him that make it pretty clear that he's seen it. Yes. Oh wow. I mean, look, if if a movie came out titled "The People vs. Frankie Frayne," I'd be the first you, one in the theater. Right? Would, <laughs> well, would you find a way to at least just check it out? But then again, I haven't been in in the international spotlight for the past four decades, <laughs> and uh, and you know. But I would have to see it absolutely. Well, okay, so so here's the story. So 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 there's a, a, a I was interviewed by the New York Times for this piece on George Lucas, and and then he was going to then fly to the ranch uh, to to interview George, and and so I said I said please try and try and find something, you know, so that he calls me back, you know, later on for a follow-up interview. And so we started talking about this and he said, when he brought up the subject of the fans and people versus George, uh, George st- just interrupted them and said, I know everything that's being said about me. Holy shit. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> it's like, I've, I've got that, mem- that whole script memorized. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. I mean, just the thought, you know, I, and look, I, I hope he's seen it. I hope he's actually, I, I hope he sees that it's come from a good place. And I hope he, it's for him a, a way to maybe see that his fans really love him, that the frustrations really stem from uh, just the love that, that they have for him. And maybe he doesn't see it that way. But, but just the thought of George, you know, sitting in a dark room watching the people versus George Lucas kind of, Kind of blows my mind, you know what I mean? Yeah, especially yeah. Uh, this little yeah. kid from Switzerland uh, <laughs> uh, showing his little movies to people. Um, that's pretty fantastic. Yeah. Um, all right, man. Well, th- this was so much fun. I'm so glad you took a little time to talk to me. Um, my pleasure, man. You're, you're you're smart. You're successful. You're a pain in the ass. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> So we'll um, we'll be in touch soon, I hope, about new projects, and um, maybe you can just tease us just a little bit about. I know there's some some new news coming up that you can't talk about yeah. a lot. Yeah, well, I you know I've, I'm launching a, uh, a comic book uh, company uh, in just about a month. Uh, if all goes well, we're launching on May 31st. 
Um, it's going to be webcomics first, and then eventually we'll, we'll have print available and all kinds of swag and stuff. Um, but there will be uh, free content available every uh, Monday through Friday, every day, you know, every weekday, basically. Um, we, we're starting off with two series. Uh, the company is called Fried Comics, that's all I will say. We're going to have a countdown pretty soon on friedcomics.com. So right now there's nothing, but very soon you'll, you'll, you'll be able to see the countdown. And uh, They're very uh, crazy, twisted tales um, that I think a lot of fanboys will, will enjoy. And, and we, have, we have a lot of surprises. It's, uh, it's a model that we've, we've developed for, for a long time now, and, and we have some pretty great uh, artists. Uh, we've got some you know, pretty famous artists who actually did some covers for us. And uh, anyway, uh, May 31st, if all goes well, you'll be getting a press release. And awesome. awesome. There you go. I still have the, um, the band uh, C-3PO. Uh, uh, yeah, I have a big old stack of them. Oh, wow. That was back Man. when I was supposed to hand them out, but then they got banned. You should sell them on eBay. I should, right. I can make <laughs> a damn fortune. Go to a, con- go to a con and pedal some wares. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you so much for uh, talking to us. And uh, May 31st, check that out. And check out all things. Uh, Exhibit A Productions, is that the? Exhibit A Pictures. Exhibit Pictures, excuse me. Yeah, exhibitapictures.com. So uh, right now we just have our kind of three posters. and But you can click on the posters. It'll take you to the actual movie website. And um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, the life and times of Paul Diaktopoulos uh, hopefully uh, will come out soon. And so, yeah. A lot of LUDs going on. Check it all out. You're going to love all of it. Um, <laughs> all right, Alexander. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you.